0: So the question is, if this person that I'm thinking, should I let him or her go or no, mm-hmm. if they did receive an offer from a different company, a higher offer, mm-hmm. would I would I counter offer or just let them leave? <laughs> Hello everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Tech Majlis. Today we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic, which is engineering at scale. My guest today is a director of engineering at Talabat. I'd love to introduce Fabrice Kabongo. Welcome to Tech Majlis.
1: Hi Lal. Well, thank you for inviting me on our podcast.
0: Yep, it's. Uh, I think uh, today it's a very interesting topic. I was thinking um, of who should be the, the the guest i should be inviting to uh to this session mm-hmm. and then i remembered our conversation back like from three years ago and i really enjoyed this conversation like when i was uh, back in the day at, at cafe One we had that chat yeah and then i was like this is the right guy that i should be uh inviting so um let's start like Tell me more about yourself. How did you start your career journey? Mm-hmm. You know, all the way from the beginning till till reaching uh, where you are today, which is director of engineering at Talabat.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm Fabrice Kabongo, right? I'm uh, I'm from Congo, DRC. Um, actually, started my career there. So I finished university in DRC in 2013. Then started working for a startup there. That was a mix of a a marketing agency and digital agency for, for design, but they also are building e-commerce websites and some, some specific sort of internal tools. I uh, started working there, worked there for a bit more than a year, and then after that I moved to South Africa. Um, from there I started working for a company called junkmail.co.za, it's a, it's a, it's a bit like Dubizol here in the UAE, uh, actually is a competitor of Dubizol in, in, uh, in South Africa. Um, and yeah, so from there, I started growing. I moved to a couple of other companies there. Uh, moved in ranks also in the company. Then I became a senior in South Africa. Then I was recruited by a property finder uh, in Dubai. And I moved to Dubai in 2017, July. 15th of July, actually, I still remember. <laughs> still remember the day I arrived here. <laughs> Left South Africa; it was like minus five degree. Landed; it was plus forty two. <laughs> <in us>. UAE. <laughs> so that was a very interesting day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, then from there, I've been here. I stayed here for I think almost six years now that I'm in the UAE. Um, this is i now in three years ago, around three years ago, I moved to Talabat. I think it just about mm-hmm. the move that just just around the time I did the move to Talabat that we actually first met. Um, and yeah and I'm here as as a, as a director so throughout my career I've been going through up the the ranks from senior uh, from junior engineer to mid to to senior um get here to property finder here i think was that's when it was my first opportunity to work in a truly international team and i was like a huge discovery for me to actually realize just how fast I could grow, a lot faster than that I could grow in the past, right? Because I was exposed to more complex systems with a lot more users than I had in the past. The teams that I worked on in the past were really interesting problems. Um, the only difference with the team that I had before Dubai and after, and after I joined to Dubai was just the the chair the demands on 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 that the user were creating on the system, right? It was like significantly more. Um, and from that point, property finder I moved from from engineer to manager, then start managing most of the B two C tools in property finder, so the websites, the mobile app, um, and then from that I moved to moved to as a senior engineering manager, led the website, led a couple of interesting projects that we still have now. Some we had to kill. Um, then I started leading the, the the tribe, the growth tribe that I lead now, about two years ago, um, and uh, yeah, and then. I... And then I was lucky to... to, 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 to hey, Lucky, that's not really true. Hard work. <laughs> 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 to be promoted to the director position that I hold now. Um, leading my tribe and my team and, and trying to do my best every day.
0: Awesome. So, leading a tribe and at the director level. Mm-hmm. So, tell me about um, how do you structure and manage a tribe?
1: Okay, that's a huge topic. Uh, let's try to... to break it into digestible <laughs> chunks um let's start with how I lead the tribe right so as a tribe lead I'm not I'm not the most day-to-day person in the tribe let me say that way right so what what I have to, what I have to accept what I had to learn actually I think we can actually talk a bit about that in, the, in a couple of minutes but what I had to learn is to say that there are engineers that need to actually release the software. There are managers that need to work with them on a day-to-day and plan the day-to-day work, even, let's say, plan the quarterly work, right? And my, most of my job is to make sure that they are enabled to do their work. I'm not, I don't, I'm not here to do their, their work, but I have to make sure they can do their job, right? So I try to remove the, 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 the problems before they arrive. I try to clarify as much as possible of the future, yeah. right? Uh, problem that we have to solve... Um, I, I train them, I mentor I mentor managers, I mentor some of the engineers sometimes when there's a specific need for me to be able to, to be to, to to have to jump in. And so I, I, every time I catch myself in a situation where I am the, let me say, the main actor in the movie, something is wrong, right? So my first instinct is yeah. I have to change that and I have to either hire someone to take over that, that, that place or fix whatever inefficiencies that resulted in me having to be a lot more active than, than, than I should be. Um, and that's kind of like a, a reality check that I have to that I have to do all the time, uh, a post check I have to do all the time. How I structure the team, so they are, uh, uh, the, my tribe is organized in, in, in domains, right? So, and the growth model that I have is a bit specific because most of the tribes that we have at Talabat have a particular business unit that the entire tribe share Let's say the food tribe or the grocery tribe, right? They have one business unit, unit and then the, the domains are a chunk of that. Growth is a bit different because the domains don't relate with each other. So I have four unrelated domains <laughs> that, I have, that I have to manage together. One manages the, one works on the ad, our ad technology, our so internal ad technology on Talabat. The other one is customer retention, uh, including some product like T-Pro, for example, Talabat Pro, our subscription product. Um, another one is incentive, responsible for all our discounts and 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 combos and all that on on the platform. And the last one is around vendors, so catalog integration, transmission of orders, et cetera. So each of these each of these domains has to be able to sustain themselves. They need to be able to think of new 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 problems, work with their business partners, deliver on on the promises that they made, be able, have enough resources to do data analysis or to do uh, the discovery, etc. So. My job is to make sure that we have the right set, of the right group of people to do, to, to, to run those domains. Um, that's the, f- the first part. The second part after that is when we have the right people is to make sure that I have a clear view on what they plan to work on. And I make sure to, to set, actually, I, I told that yesterday to someone, I was like, probably one of the best things we can do is always set a clear boundaries to what our team needs to do, right? So you set the vision and you put the boundaries, like this is the limit of what you can do. And then whatever you do here, like go wild, right? But don't go over the line. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of the one way to, to summarize the, my role, basically, is to set those boundaries. So we work with them. We have a business goal, for example. Let's let's go crazy and say we want to win a particular area of Dubai, for example, right? So that's the goal. We know the budget. We don't have to. We don't have to go over. We know the limitation of our technologies. We know this kind of stuff. And I set those boundaries with the team. And then their 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 job is now to take this goal, my, the 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 the, the intent that I have and the, the limitation I've put in place and the tools I've given them and the people I've given them to now take that and make it practical, make it real, right? And it's their job to do that. I trust them they can do it. I don't have to jump in. What is I should not have to jump in when things are if they're perfect they're never perfect, but that's more or less how I try to manage. So that's the ideal plan. This is the, the plan that I try to reach, right? That's how I build the teams. Yeah. When I don't have enough enough people, for example, so I have to supplement some of the roles. Let's say, for example, that I have a couple of domains that don't yet have domain leads that I'm still hiring. So those those particular domains, I have to be the, the acting domain leads while I'm the tribe lead. Um, but but the, when I don't need to do that, when there is, when there is a full set of domain leads, like I have to say. So product domain leads, uh, yes. uh, tech domain leads, design domain lead when when we need the design domain lead also then I, I can completely take a step back and then let them go wild in the boundaries yeah and I it, it each way.
0: one of your domains is it like a, like a self-sustaining unit so do you have everything that it takes in a single domain or you're using help from uh, like do you have like a cross-functional mm-hmm. teams that are supporting all the domains or each domain is like a self-sustaining unit
1: no, each domain is a self sustaining unit so typically a domain has Multiple squad units. The smallest domain in my tribe has three teams. The biggest one on I has four. Yeah, four. And there so those 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 squads have backend mobile. Some squad have backend and web frontend. Um we even had at some point a squad that had back-end mobile and web front end. <laughs> and so and then we have designers assigned to the squad, data scientists assigned to the squad, sometimes data uh, analysts assigned to the squad also. And basically the idea is that, first of all, the domain itself should be self sustaining but even the squads in the domain should be self sustaining also. Yeah, They should be able to take a problem and completely solve it. So it obviously um, when you build something, you have some dependencies on other teams. Those teams can be other Taliban teams or other Delivery Hero teams in Berlin or other locations like Singapore, etc., depending on the problem we're trying to solve, sometimes we, we do it ourselves. So we, wherever we need to go in the system to change, to get our, our goal achieved, we're going to go everywhere. Yeah. Um, but 50% of the time, we have to have some dependency, some code dependency for the team that they have to build something for us first, etc. Yeah. But, but as much as possible, we own the solution end to end.
0: But with this level of autonomy, yeah. how do you ensure governance at the same time? Trust, <laughs> trust and
1: skill. So, okay. The, obviously, the story is a, li, a little bit more complex than that. But if I if I try if I, tr- I can try to summarize it in a short answer, it would be you have to put in place the rights managers in the, in the in the in the in the squad and in the domain that you know that they they understand the bigger picture and they can take you trust their judgment right? So that whatever solution that, whatever problem that happened, they can take the right decisions. So in this time, in terms of, term of governance, you trust the judgment, you trust the skill, and you know that they are, they will be able to bring up information to you so you are still aware of what what's happening and you can take the right decision when something goes wrong. Okay. Uh, you also know that they have a good understanding of what's, what's the goal they're trying to achieve, that they will take, they will drive the team in the right direction to actually make that happen, right? So that you have that, that double flow of information from them to you and and, and down also right yeah. when you have that in, when you you have that in place and you know that they have the, the you have the right information they have the right information and then you hire the right people so you trust the judgment you know that they're gonna take the good decisions on top of that we have chapters and guilds that set up some um, other sets of boundaries around how we build things right so it would be tool of technologies, tool of framework, etc. And you know that you have the people in the team that that you trust the judgment, and you know that they are actually gonna use and stay in those boundaries, uh, and still build and innovate, but with some limitations. Because, but there's a there's a saying, forgot who said that, by the way. But there's a saying that says that innovation only comes with constraint, right? So, the for me, the right set, the right people to be managers or even to be high level ICs. Are people who can understand what are the boundaries of their freedom? Let me say it that way, yeah. and then they can really, really, really go wild in the, in there and innovate and build crazy system and try to to go as fast as possible. But at the same time, they can balance that that need to to be free and and have fun yeah. with to to the the boundaries of like let's say okay you have you still have to generate some money, you still have to not build systems that I come be unmaintainable. Yeah. You have to put some quality, you have to do this. So that's not kind of like how, how does that does it always come with trust. So the although they say like we trust but verify, but 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 you have to have a you have to hire people that you that you trust and people that have the right skill and you trust the judgment. Um, so that actually you can actually now let them be be independent. Else if if you don't trust them and you don't hire the right people, then you will not ask them to be independent. But if they're not independent, you're also gonna be very, very slow. Yeah. Because the speed, the company is gonna run at the uh, at your speed. So, however fast you can go through all of the topics that you manage, that's how fast the entire company will run. But if you have this high level of autonomy in the teams, then they can they can go a lot faster than it would take you to iterate through the topics. Yeah. And that's what I'm. That's what I try to achieve.
0: So, mentioning trust, autonomy, and the right people. That takes us to culture. Okay. So tell me about the culture that we try to establish with a new team.
1: Let me try to find one or two words that I can use to just completely clarify everything. But basically, a couple of a couple of things that, that matter to me, right? So first is people that have a strong sense of responsibility. For me it's very important that I work with people that understand the 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 value of the area they're being given responsibility for, and whether they are engineers or they are managers or they are designers, whoever they are, then they understand that they are highly responsible for the fate of the entire problem space that they're in, whatever role they are playing in that problem space, right? So, and probably one of my favorite um, book is um, Extreme Ownership, right? With that sense of I like this this one this things like chapter. Dan or something, I forgot. But basically, one of the words was saying is that so it doesn't matter who broke it, it's broken. You have to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's like who everyone in the team, it doesn't really matter who, like everyone is to feel responsible that this has to work. Yeah. Right. And the example in the book was about war. So it doesn't matter that someone made a mistake if you don't. Solve the problem, you all die. Right? Yeah. So in, in, in tech, it's a bit similar because things go so fast. We have so many users. We have hackers, et cetera, that if you don't take ability, it can go really bad really fast. We've seen companies die very quickly because of stupid mistakes that were done. And, and probably the stupid mistake wasn't even the, the bug. It was mostly people refusing to fix the bug. Yes, That was stupid in my opinion. But, so that's, that's a very important trait that are looking to people, right? That are looking to people, and that's, I try to create that in the culture, is that everyone feels responsible for what we are trying to build. The second thing also is skill. So, I want the people in my team to be stronger at what they do. If they are not strong at what they do, I want them to spend time getting stronger at it, right? So, obviously, it's impossible to hire a new person in the team, and they already know everything yeah. that you guys need for that role. I think it's... Probably is impossible to have an imp- right. Ra- so if you pick a random employee in any company, they probably don't know everything they need to know for the job they have. Yeah. Probably anyway, right? So the idea is you try to make yourself stronger constantly, right? And I think that that's something that I believe in. We have a culture of continuous growth at Talabat that I, that I, that, I, that I buy into hundred percent. And in my team, I try to build that that concept of saying, you know what? Like we, as we build, as we solve our problems, as our system evolves, our business grows, we're constantly going to have a new set of problems we never had to deal with before, right? So we need to have people that can evolve with the problems, hopefully before the problems, but <laughs> most, most likely evolve with the problems yes. and constantly get better as the system becomes more complex and, and our problem become more difficult, right? Yeah. That's the second point. The third point, which will probably be the first point, is extreme respect for everyone. I have a very, I build a very chill culture. I'm a very chill person. I, don't, I make jokes, I tease the people in my team, They tease me, etc. But it always is in a very clear sense of everyone respect everyone. Does, tries try as much as possible to, to to beat discrimination, to beat lack of respect, to beat to beat just bad behavior, right? in general. Yeah. There's a there's an article I wrote. Um, it was about the kind of like how to help an engineer be, just be a good engineer, right? In general, and one of the one of one of the, the I was trying to identify pillars that that would make someone successful in a company. I was saying that what what every company expects from almost everyone is that you make the company money, you prevent the company from losing money, you help your colleague grow. And the other one is you you try you build a good environment. And I was like the one of the one of the simplest, the easiest way to help build a good environment in your company is just be a good person. That's <laughs> like the bare minimum. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kinda which, that, which is
0: not so easy, by the way.
1: It's not actually. Like yeah. a lot of the problems is when pe- that people just are not yeah. good people. Like, okay, in quotes good people. But like they have weird quirks that ruin the environment, right? So that for me is a very important for me that I have, I'm have, i working with people that just have a, dis, a certain level of decency to be able to create a good environment with people around them. And, and they don't have to be. It doesn't matter that you are extroverted or introverted. I'm like a weird mix in between. But like it doesn't matter. As long as you're just polite and you can work with people, yeah. you don't we, uh, uselessly aggravate people. For me, that's good. Um, the last point is communication. I had a bias before that I had to unlearn, which is basically... Um, f- I went from first super introverted I didn't want to come in I didn't like talking a lot to the contrary super extroverted I was like the talker etc that was like the time I, started, I moved to, into management and I got promoted into my, as a manager and like at that, just before that I was a huge talker right I more than now but <laughs> I was a huge talker <laughs> and I, for six months I would say I had a bias of like for me, good communicator meant you are the big mouth in the room, yeah. right? I had to unlearn that, and now what I mean by communication is just: are you able to, are you able to get the information in your mind in someone else's mind? Yes, that's the simplest way to inform that. So if you would do that with very silently on your Slack channel and just text me something and say, "Hey, Fabrice, this just happened." Uh, that this is why it happened. This is the plan that I have to, to fix it. I'm going to let you know in, in two hours what, uh, if it works so we can plan something else and then that's it. Versus you send me a huge, well-driven in Google Doc document with a lot of details. Both are good. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> as long as the information gets through. Yes. What, what, I, what, what I don't like, though, is when people retain information or they hide or they're like, oh, I'm going to fix it super fast. Therefore, it does, I don't need to tell you now. Right, I'm gonna tell you when I fix it yeah. because I, I bring the bad news and the good news. Just like the of like decision that we take, where well, like we basically we 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 block the need for communication because we have another need for I don't know looking good or saving the problem or yeah. whatever. Right, so that's, that's bad. What I want is just a team that communicates a lot. Yeah. Right. Share a lot of information. Information is constantly being shared with, among everyone. That's important. The I would say the last two points. It's kind of like a mix of respect and okay. Let me let me let, let me let me go forward. I'm guessing I, I I'll I'll clarify that as I explain. Okay. So the first one is trust, right? So building trust. So for me, what I mean trust is not like oh people need to trust each other, more like people need to build trust. So the simple way that you build trust is do whatever you promise that you're gonna do, <laughs> right? So <laughs> working a team of people, and if someone says, look go go, I'm gonna go and build this feature, I will write the OKR document. Send it to you tomorrow. Send the OKR document tomorrow. At the very least, tell me tomorrow that you are, something happened and you're gonna be late, and then do it the next the day after. But build a, give me a reason to trust that when you say something, that's what's gonna happen, yes. right? And it's get a lot. It's I tried at this version I just told you now. is something that I've I've had to hone through a mentoring session and try to simplify it as much as possible. And I think this for me is the most simpler way to, to explain the best way to explain it is. The best way to tr- build trust is do whatever you promise you're gonna do. If you just put yourself in your life and that's your rule, if you say something, you're gonna do it. So, which means don't say, don't promise too many things. Right? Yeah. So, whatever you promise, just do it. You will very quickly climb your ladder of the most trusted person in your social circle. Yes. Same at work. Right? So, whatever you promise, do that. Don't promise too many things. And. If you do that in EM and PM in a team, they start suddenly, they like working with each other because whatever the other one say, they can trust that it's going to happen. PM and developer, developers in EM, et cetera. That's important. The last one is, um, what's that? Integrity. Yeah. As for me, it's, like it's, a, it's, a, it's a live or die problem. Let me say that. Yes, way. of course. It can show in many anything, right? It can be how the comp- the company you work for, the way it treats, the way it's it be created, um, the way it acts by right? itself, I would say the company itself. So that's what that's for me a, a choice before I move for a company, I check that. The 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 other point is there's people around you, so people that you don't wanna work with people that lie. Yeah. You don't want to work with people that steal money, right? And stuff like that. Those are like the obvious ones, right? But they're also a bit less obvious ones when like People that artificially create a good image of themselves so that sort some benefits when really they don't deserve those benefits, right? For me, I'm like, you know what? If you are truly the best person on the planet at a particular skill, all money to you, right? <laughs> but like, but then don't, don't create a fake image of you being the best person because that's your, yes. and then if I, if I detect that, then I know you don't have integrity and I'm not gonna hire you. There are people that I've interviewed that. Ninety nine percent of the skills that we were checking for in the interview were matched, and we had, we we could have hired them. It's just that we could identify as interviewing them that they just randomly lied on stuff. Yeah. Sometimes not even big things, like small things here yeah. and there. That's so, and we were like, look, if if you lie on things that we, actually, if you think about it, we can actually verify. Yeah. What about when actually you know we cannot verify yeah. stuff like you can completely mess up here, and so that's. Another point that I tried to build in the culture. So that's when I was an EM leading one team. That's what I put into the engineers. And now the, people in the managers that I manage also um, work together based on those rules. Fortunately enough, people that I manage, we have a good relationship and we understand each other. And so far, we match the culture.
0: Yeah. Actually, you mentioned um, three things that are very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, I was writing an article about um, uh, high performing uh, distributed teams. Mm -hmm. And uh, you've mentioned three things that I do relate to big time. Context sharing, Mm -hmm. uh, building trust, and setting direction. I really liked how you explained direction by like drawing the border lines and then within those border lines, be as innovative as you can, but like don't cross those border lines. And context sharing and trustworthiness for for sure. I wanna ask you a question uh, again on the culture point. Mm -hmm. Definitely you have to deal with a situation where um, you have to deal with toxicity within your team. How do you disinfect toxicity?
1: The best way to disinfect toxicity in the company is to (laughs) first not hire the person that brings it.
0: But let's say you you
1: couldn't stop them at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, more serious answer. Um, It's usually really hard. the hardest problem probably is how can i exp- okay the hardest problem is there there is a there's a there's a thin line between someone being a good person and it, like they are a bit annoying but you don't care Just, they, that's the that's the line and they are bad enough that they they get a warning letter mm-hmm. there's a space there that you can, that someone can be, yeah. right? That like they're so annoying that you they really ruin your day, but it's still not yet enough that they would deserve a warning later, right? Yes. And that so far has been the hardest place for me because you cannot you ca- I don't think you can actually fix that. Like you 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 have to like try to mentor them and convince them, yes. and it's very hard. And depending on the law of your country, like if if it's Germany, for example, you you they can't do anything because it's very hard to hire people, for example, there. But like. Despite that case, which I really hope no one ends up in that case, despite that case, in general, for me, that are two, only two approaches that you have to take, right? Approach number one is, or step one, sorry, is uh, go straight to the person, tell them the truth. It's like, look, there is a problem right now. It's, we like working with you. We, we, like, we like the project work together. But you, unfortunately, showing a behavior that, that making it difficult for people to work with you. Although I trust that person has skills that we want, that's what they work with the company, right? But although you have the the skills that we we want, you you have the right knowledge. That what we want you with your behavior, you are canceling those skills. Basically, you are canceling the utility of those skills. Because if you make your th- if you alienate your team so much that they want to leave, then you become a lot more expensive. You become a liability. You become expensive to us a lot more than you bring value, right? So why telling that to people openly and kindly with respect obviously but why openly? It's so that there's no misunderstanding that this is a problem it needs to be fixed and we can work together to fix it. I can yes. give you guidance to fix it. Some companies even hired, I worked with companies that have hired coaches, communication coaches for people that are like highly skilled but with communication problem. But so there are things we can do to actually help those people change the way they behave. Uh, most cases they just change themselves in general. Yeah. Right? But like, We can even go as long as they they agree that there's a problem and they're they're willing to work on that. We can solve it, right? We can bring them under the line of being annoying. They don't have to be perfect, just not too annoying. Let me say that. The other case, though, is that if someone doesn't realize, doesn't agree on, doesn't agree that it's a problem, and they they continue to make it difficult, I believe that as a leader, the our role is to be open to take difficult decisions that we might be hated for, and some time, and I've had to do that in the past, is to tell the person, look, I can't, I can't let you be in the team like this. You have X amount of time to work on this. I'm gonna give you all the support in that time to fix the problem. But if you don't fix the problem, I'm gonna have to take you out of the team. Yeah. And by that, I mean, i like, take you out of the company. Right? Because the truth is a lot of the time where you have someone that is toxic in a company and then make everyone's life miserable, the person at fault is actually the leader that never asked them to go.
0: Yes. I actually, uh, you know what, I believe that one of the um, maturity pivotal points for leaders in tech Mm -hmm. is the moment where you need to take such decisions. Yeah, I think uh, like the the first time you do it, you feel like it's a bit hard because you're taking a decision that's impacting someone's life for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, There is, you know, lots of things that are very emotional around it and sensitive. But uh, when you think about it in such a way that being nice to someone is actually being harmful to the rest of the team or the rest of the company, yeah. uh, this is the right way to look at things. And uh, in my opinion, um, I've been in those situations quite a lot. And I think the moment you start taking those decisions, first being able to, take, uh, to, to give feedback, constructive but open, as you mentioned, and to take those hard calls is one of the things that defines the maturity of, uh, of a leader.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Agree. You know when I interview for managers at Alabat, one of the it's like question number four. <laughs> it's question number four is always about their experience having like letting people go. So they don't have like not, I think that there are a lot more managers who have never let someone go than they, that there are people have, and it's not a criteria, right? But is what I want to know is what what their understanding. Right of having to let people go. Yes. Like how do they how do they handle these kind of situations? How do they approach that? Because there's a there's a there's a, I don't know if you open to talk a bit about the, the emotional toll of having to fire someone. Yeah. On the person who fires, the, actually, that people don't talk a lot about that. But like, it's difficult to do. Right. It's a very hard decision you have to take, and like a lot of a lot of people are run are trying to run away from that as much as possible. And I've seen, like in my relatively short career. <laughs> I have seen way too many cases of very deep, like very, very deep uh, low performance or like really, really bad toxic environment and when you try to like investigate and understand what happened, you ask more questions, you talk to people, you realize that we are probably, by the time you hear about that, it's like one year after the date they should have let that person go. Mm -hmm. Like one year. And what you see there is usually a mix of first indecision from the manager or the leader, right? Lack of de- l- lack of strong decision. Whether that decision is to give a feedback, to someone, or yes. let someone go, but like no decision, no feedback, and some deeply rooted fear of some social judgment that's gonna happen. Like, look, I'm all for being a good person being like taking the right decision etc but like uh, but also if you if you are too too concerned with how good you look in the I don't know in the I would say in the in the in the in the in the, in the courts of, 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 of the many right in the justice yes. of the other people I if you are too concerned of that you're gonna end up in a situation where, there are important decisions you can take that can save the company, save the employees, save the environment for people, but you don't take them because you're so concerned that people will say, oh, he's the person that had let, I don't know, let Jeff go, or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And like, you end up completely creating, like destroying a company. Of course. companies have been Startups have been destroyed on things like this. Yeah,
0: of course. Um, I've, seen <laughs> I've seen cases, um, it varies according to the scale, like, uh, I do mentor many startups mm-hmm. and uh, one of the patterns that I see quite a lot is that uh, founders, they're looking for um, um, a technical co-founder mm-hmm. so that they hire their, you know, techie friend as a CTO. And then at some point of time, you reach a stage where your company is growing, but this person is not enabling your company yeah. because they, they lack the right tools, they lack the experience. Pretty much this can be the first mm-hmm. experience in leadership as well. And uh, while it, you might have the funds and the, the resources uh, to grow your business, but there is one person who's in charge of your tech is hindering uh, your growth. I've seen this in, in, in many companies where founders or CEOs, they were um, unable to take decisions just because they, they don't want to upset someone. But companies can be ruined for this and definitely you know like in bigger corporates things can be different but uh the problem can have many roots in in a corporate because this scenario according to the 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 type and the scale of the business can be at so many different levels so uh, i totally agree i've been in this situation and uh um, i remember sometimes i had to take hard calls Mm -hmm. um it is emotionally difficult for the person Taking the call as well, absolutely. Um, especially like uh, if it's. Um, uh, I remember one day, I uh, I was running, in one of the previous companies. I was running a performance evaluation, and we had to do l- layoffs in bulk, mm-hmm. and that was not uh, uh, for like cost saving. It was merely performance, and uh, although that it was performance, we did so many investigations to those. It was so hard to take the call. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember, like, uh, having those back-to-backs where you have people, they know that um, they're going to be let go. It's very emotional. You've been working with those people for a long time. Even uh, if they were not performing well, still, they are people, they have to be respected. You know that this is their life. Uh, So, yeah, like, I I, I can totally relate to this.
1: Yeah, it's true. Like, when you talk about, like, having to let people go, I had um, to let go in one day once, half of my team. And not at Talabat. He was a uh, property finder, and it was, it was a very sad day that really stayed with me for like six months or something. Where I yeah. keep thinking about that. And you take the decision, and after, after that, look. The thing is that there are, as you say, there are people, right? There are people. Some of them with families with kids, and as, as the leader in that organization who has a goal to help the organization survive that's the right call to make, right? But as an individual and sometimes as a friend, for some of them, by the way, (laughs) is like, you, like, what I did after that is I tried to find them new opportunities, reaching out to to recruiters in Dubai, trying to find them new jobs, but you have to, like, whatever happens, whatever the reason you decide to let someone go, you have to remember that they have their own dignity and you have to, man, you have to respect that. You have to also respect, there's a, Okay, interesting enough. So there is a there's a thing I read years ago. It was how to how to break up with someone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and one of the things that was said is give the other person the right to hate you. Basically, what what, what I say that typical people would do are that they would tell you that like we have to break up, and then uh, please don't be mad at me. You know I had to do this, it's me, not you, and all these things to make it nicer, etc. Yes. But like the idea is like no, actually you're not respecting the person. You see, you're telling them the truth and then you lie. You wanna you wanna control the emotional response. That's yes. why you tell them, Be don't mad do at me. You don't want them to overly react to that. But if you're responsible for your decision, then you accept that look, you just broke up with someone, obviously they're gonna be mad at you. Like accept that's a consequence. You knew that yes. that was coming. It's Weirdly enough, that advice applies to, to, to having to let someone go because I think it's very similar breaking up and letting someone go. Although, breaking up, in my opinion, could be worse emotionally. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, don't like, tell them the truth. Tell them why you took the decision as yeah. much as you can tell because there are some legal reasons, obviously. Yeah. But, like, in the boundaries of the legal framework you have to work with, tell them why you had to let them go. Um, Tell them that that's the decision that you have to take, and that's the truth. Don't don't make a one-hour call to let someone go. It's probably twenty minutes or thirty minutes if they wanna ask some questions. It's okay. And then if they get mad at you, you are the one who decided to let them go. Like just take it, man. Like just accept. I've had someone scream at me and like. Like, it was a very sad call. I don't want to give too much detail so they don't recognize themselves. But, like, like go from very sad to like scream at me and say that, and I, I already knew you hated me, etc. And I knew it was not true. I was like, no, not at all. Like, but I was just, just, I just stayed calm and silent. Yeah. I looked at them and I said, look, I'm, I'm really sorry. I know this is tough. Um, we have some disagreement on the topic, but look, I understand the reaction and. If you need any help, we're gonna do this? The HR department is gonna help you. But yeah, that's the that's the news. Yeah. And then you go, and then obviously they're gonna hate you. You don't you don't then go and hit them up on LinkedIn and say, hey, how you doing? Are you leaving this okay? Like you know? Yeah, of course. Like you leave, let them leave, and then you go to something that you you respect them basically. Yes. But all this should not prevent when the decision has to be made. I believe that it doesn't have. Like if you have a manager that constantly fires people, something is really wrong. Yeah. Right. But like. Every now and then you have to do that, and if as a leader, it's a huge failure as a leader to know, to have enough data, to know that this is not going to work anymore, this is not the right person, and to not take the decision.
0: Yes, of course. Yeah. And we, we all do that. Y- you're, co- you're causing damage to the rest of the company. Yeah. Yeah, by doing this. Uh, and we all do this. I have done that.
1: <laughs> I obviously, have, I, can, I have a <laughs> list of cases after they've done that. <laughs> but <laughs> we all do that. It happens. But yeah, it's, it is one of the failures. And a lot of people don't consider that as, as a failure, but I do. It, it is a failure. Yeah. No, uh, yes, it is.
0: Yeah. It is. And if you do self-reflect a lot... Uh, like you, I'm someone who personally I, I like I, I write self-reflections every quarter, mm-hmm. and uh, when I, whenever I face uh, similar cases, you know, like I ask myself questions: If I've have taken this decision uh, long ago, would mm-hmm. it have been like for the uh, best interest of the company or no? One of uh, one of the books that I read um, had a very good view on mm-hmm. this matter. It was um, No Rules Rules uh, okay. by the CEO of Netflix. No, no, not so I uh, know the book, but I haven't read it. Yeah, uh, he was talking about uh, letting go people. Yeah, and he had <coughs> single question to mm-hmm. validate <coughs> to validate the decision. So the question is, if this person that I'm thinking, should I let him or her go or no? Mm-hmm. If they did receive an offer from a different company, a higher offer, mm-hmm. would I would I counter offer or just let them leave? So, if you're not gonna counter-offer, then you should take the decision immediately. I've, I've been following this concept, okay, for the past couple of years. Actually, it, it works very well.
1: Hmm. Interesting. I want. I think. I think that's a bit extreme. But I get the <laughs> thought. <laughs> where, okay, the point where I agree with that point is that I believe that every manager, it is a bit tab. I'm I'm, I'm guessing it's gonna it's taboo. This is going to be taboo on your LinkedIn page. But every manager, in my opinion, should constantly have kind of like a list of the people in the organization and basically know that this person, if they get an offer, I'm not going to give them a counter offer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that at that moment in time. So you don't necessarily do that when the person is so bad that you have to let them go. Yeah. But like it's, like, it's more like it's they're okay.
0: Like a continuous performance evaluation.
1: Yeah, like they are, so you do like at that moment like they are okay. They are maybe not performing to the point where they are completely necessary to the team. Because yeah. I believe that you can have a, you can have a huge team where everyone is so good that you would rather reassign them to different projects than let them go. Even if there's nothing for them to do, you will find something for them to yes. do as long as they stay in the organization. Right? That's like the extreme positive. <laughs> then there is someone in the middle where as long as there's something for something for them to do, you d- you don't even want to think about them leaving. But also, if they decide to go, you're just gonna. Kind of Wish them f- well, and then they go yeah. right. So that's the middle ground. where say that I will not, cont- I will not give counter offer, and then yeah, and then I agree. Then there's the extreme, the extreme left where like things are really bad, and if they go, you're gonna be like, oh my god, why did you, what did you do that sooner? <laughs> and then yeah, you should, you should take decisions. I agree, but I, I hope at least it has been the case for me for the past, for the past multiple years. But like. I hope that most people in, in a manager's organization should be in the middle and high, should be they're doing their job well and it's okay, not really questioning yourself, right, about them. And a good 30%, they are very, very good. Yeah. And as, much, and as much as possible, you have a very small chunk of people that you probably have to let them go and hopefully that chunk is getting smaller all the time because you actually took, take the decision when you have to or you mentor them into improving their skills, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a good that's a, I think that's a good health metric to put in place. Where like, <laughs> yes, you have to be ready to fire people. But yeah, if you answer yes to too many people in organization, you need to fire them. Either you've really hired the wrong people, or something is wrong
0: with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs>